If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to two places. and just want to be a help to you tonight. If you'll turn with me to James chapter number 5 and then also 2 Chronicles chapter number 16. James chapter number 5 and we'll read one verse there and then we'll be in 2 Chronicles uh, for the rest of the evening. I love the Word of God, don't you? I'm thankful for it. I believe where the Bible speaks, we ought to speak. And many times where the Bible's silent, we ought to be silent. Thank God for your preachers and their approach to the Word of God. Word of God's what will make the difference, and I think you know that. It's, it's where the power comes from. It's not about what a man says, but it's about what God says. And I'm thankful for spirit-filled Bible preachers. James chapter 5, and I want to read verse number 14, and then we'll read uh, out of 1 Chronicles chapter number 16. Or Look at James chapter 4, I'm sorry. James chapter 4, verse number 14. It says this, Whereas ye know what shall be on tomorrow... For what, and this question is, I want you to think about this question tonight. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. What is your life? If you turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter number 16, I want to read verses 11 through verse number 14. And in these verses, we're going to Read the epitaph, if you will, the answer of a man's life, really answering that question, what his life was, what he'd be remembered by. And I want you to keep your Bibles open once we pray, because we're going to go back to chapter 15 and 16 and look at this man's life. Verse number 11 of 2 Chronicles chapter number 16 says, And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written... In the book of the kings of Judah and of Israel. Asa, in the 39th year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease, notice these words, was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not the Lord, but the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in one and fortieth year of his reign. And they buried him in his own sepulcher, which he had made for himself in the city of David, and laid him in a bed which was filled with sweet odors and diverse kinds of spices and prepared by the apothecary's art. And they made a very great burning for him. I want to just preach tonight. If you were to title this message, you could title it one of two things. First one is, what is your life? Maybe put a dash beside that. Write down these words, finish well. Finish well. Let's pray tonight and we'll get right into the text. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful liberty and the worship already this evening. Lord, I thank you for the wonderful songs that we've been able to sing, praising your name. Lord, as we've already sung tonight, oh, how we need you. Lord, we need you in this hour. And Lord, I'm I, I thankful. Lord, I love the song the ladies just sang. Lord, we thank you for that bloodline and that precious blood and that perfect blood. Lord, we thank you for salvation tonight. Lord, I pray tonight as we preach the word of God, Lord, I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. I pray that you'd clothe me in my calling tonight. God, I pray that you'd cleanse me of self. God, that you'd help me, Father, to decrease so that you could increase, so that your name could be magnified and you could be glorified. Lord, I pray tonight that you do what only you can do in our hearts and our minds and our souls. Father, I pray that we'll leave here differently tonight. We'll be careful to give you the glory. God, we'll be careful 
to give you the honor. We'll be careful to give you the praise. In your precious, in your holy name we pray. Amen. James proposed that question in chapter number 5, verse number 14. What is your life? Here in 2 Chronicles, man, Asa is remembered as having a disease in his feet. And really, if you study this story, the disease in his feet told a story about his heart. Man, he came to the end of his life. The last thing that was said about him was he, he sought the physicians and he didn't seek the Lord. It's interesting as I begin to study this passage. Man, I wanted to go back and really look and see, man, what else does the Bible say about Asa? And as you begin to study the Word of God, you'll find this out. Listen, his life was carefully dated in the book of 2 Chronicles. There's much that's said about him. And the more I begin to study him, the more I begin to understand that, man, Asa wasn't always a man that would have sought the physicians rather than the Lord. As we're going to look at tonight, Asa was one who started well, but he didn't finish well. I mean, there, every one of us is going to come to a day where someone's going to stand up at our funeral. Your preacher, or Pastor Tyler, or someone's going to stand up there. They're going to tell the story, if you will, of your life. I tell our church this, I'm not going to lie at your funeral. You ever been to a funeral where they lied about that feller? Now, I'm not going to run somebody down at their funeral, but if they were a no-good, dirty, cheating scoundrel, I'm not going to get up and talk about how good of a Christian they were, you know. But all of us, like Asa, at the end of our life, there's going to be something that we're remembered by and something that is said about us. It's a very sobering moment. When you ever think about your funeral, I always think about who's going to be there and who's not. I got issues, man. I, I think about that stuff. And I want us to just look tonight for just a minute at this text and really just preach for a minute tonight on this subject to finish well. Look at verse number 12, 2 Chronicles chapter number 16. And Asa, in the 39th year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceedingly great. Now, that's a, it's an interesting phrase there, exceedingly great. Great. Clark says that possibly there was some sort of gout exceedingly upward. It affected the rest of his body, his upper parts. It affected all of him. And as we're going to see, the disease in his feet said much about his heart. I can't help but think of Matthew chapter 15, verse number 18, which says this. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. What came out was a revelation of what was within. His physical problem here was a result of a spiritual problem. As we look at the life of Asa, and y'all stay with me because we're going somewhere with this. I want to teach you something, and then we'll preach for a couple minutes. The first thing I want you to notice is Asa's commitment to the Lord. Turn with me to chapter number 14. 2 Chronicles chapter number 14. And keep your Bibles open. I don't want to bore you with the Word of God, but I want to show you some stuff tonight. Look at uh, chapter number 14. Look at verses. Look at verse number 2. Verse number 1, his father had died and Asa ended up taking over. Look at verse number 2. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. So he starts out here as he takes over this kingdom. He starts out... Serving the Lord. He starts out, man, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Look at verse number, look at verse number three. 
For he took away the altar of the strange gods and the high places, and he broke down the images, and he cut down the groves. Look at verse 4. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. Man, he started out uh, tearing down the false idols. He started out, man, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He served God in verses 1 and 2. In verses 3 and 4 here, he honored God. Look at verse number 11 of chapter number 14. And Asa cried unto the Lord God. So he's praying here. And he said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Look what he says here. Help us. Do you see the contrast? between here and chapter number 16. Help us, O Lord. Are you there? For we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art God. Let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Here, listen, he trusted God, and God was fighting his battles for him. Doesn't this sound like a godly man? Man, this is a man that had started well. Man, this was a man that was on fire for God. This was a man in the midst of the battle at one time turned to God and served God and tore down graven images. So he goes on to, I want you to notice secondly here, not only did he have a commitment to God, but he made a covenant with the Lord. Look at chapter 15, verse number 10. Chapter 15 Verse number 10. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem. Look at it. In the third month of the 15th year of the reign of Asa. Something that's interesting all through this text in 2 Chronicles about Asa. You're going to find him, his life carefully dated. Look at verse number 11. And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. And they entered into the covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers. Look at this. Enters into this covenant. With all his heart, with all their soul. Listen, they were all in for the Lord. Man, they're making a covenant. Man, what an awesome testimony. What an awesome thing they were doing. Look at verse 13. And whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel, this is a pretty intense covenant here, isn't it? Should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or or woman. Man, he was serious about this covenant. Listen, if they turned from God, they would be put to death. Man, he was serious about it. Look back at chap- chapter 15, verse number 1, back beginning of this chapter. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa, and he said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah of Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him reminds me of this. Draw nigh to me, and I will what? I'll draw nigh unto you. Listen, and if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. So this covenant that he made here, and stay with me, was a result of the prophet of God pouring into his life. I mean, the prophet of God preaching to him, Asa took what the word of God said and obeyed it. Can I just say this tonight? That's a good place for every single one of us. Man, when we hear the word of God, to respond from it. But by the way, do you know it's the same story every single time when God is left out of the picture? Every time we go against what God wants for our life, it brings issues, it brings problems, 
and it brings destruction. I'm reminded of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 57 verse 20. He says this, But the wicked are like the troubled sea which cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. O they that were wise, that they understood this, as Moses said in Deuteronomy, that they would not consider their latter end. You see, Asa, as, we're, as you're going to see here, man, he didn't think through as he continued to serve the Lord. And as that disease came, and as you're going to see, some things came into his life and some trials came. He ends up forgetting what the prophet had said. Look at chapter 15. Look at verse number 7. Stay with me. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak. Look at it. For your work shall be rewarded. That was from the prophet to Asa here, 1 Samuel chapter two, uh, 2, verse number 30. Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now saith the Lord, be it far from me, for them that honor, listen, me will I honor, and they that despise me shall lightly be esteemed. And by the way, uh, we, for sake of time, I'm not going to go there. But this dude also, went, well, actually look at verse number 16. Look at verse number 16 of chapter 15. I want to show you how serious at one point Asa was. Verse 16, And also concerning the mother of Asa the king, he removed her, look at this, from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And look what Asa does here. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burned it at the brook of Kidron. Would y'all say this joker's serious about serving the Lord? Like I'll mess with a lot of people. But mama, think about what's happening here. He's going to his own mom because she was going the wrong direction, following idolatry. And he take you're not queen no more. I mean, that takes a dude committed to the Lord to stand. Hey, if you can stand up to your mom or your mother-in-law, you've got the touch of God on you. Amen. Man, he's committed to the Lord. He was serious. If we stop this story here, we would say, man, this guy... Man, he left a legacy for the Lord. Man, this guy made an impact on this world. Man, this guy, he left something behind for his children. And Man, he impacted the world for eternity. I wonder if that's what he'd be remembered by. I want you to notice, thirdly tonight, Asa's turning from the Lord and his tragic friendship. Look at chapter 16, verse number 1. Chapter 16, verse number 1. And Stay with me. In the 6th, 30th year of the reign of Asha, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah, built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasure of the house of the Lord, the king's house, and sent it to Benadad, the king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus. Now, if you remember back, chapter number 15, who did Asa go to to fight his battles for him? Get those Ethiopians. He went to the Lord. Here what we find in these verses, he goes to his pocketbook. He ends up buying friendship. Somewhere along the way, something tripped in his head, just like we talked about this morning, where at one time he trusted God. He had forgotten how God had delivered them. Man, this is the same dude that tore down idols in his own mama's house. He buys a friendship. Look at verse number 7 of chapter number 16. And at that time... Hananiah the seer came unto Asa the king of Judah and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on... Are y'all seeing this? 
on the Lord thy God. Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thy hand. He's being rebuked here by the prophet. Look at verse number 8. He reminds them. Chapter number 15. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thy hand. Man, he went from a man that was consecrated and sold out to God to begin to trust in his own intellect, in his own money, in his own talent, if you will, and in himself instead of the Lord. Here the prophet reminds him how there was a day when he trusted the Lord. Look at verse number 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast, notice what he says here, thou hast done, what's the next word? Foolishly, therefore henceforth thou shalt have wars. By the way, when we go our own way, Listen to me. When we go our own way, church, can I just remind you tonight that it all, sin, you, if you're saved tonight, you cannot sin and win. There will be destruction. There will be heartache. There will be pain. Look at verse number 11 again. We read it earlier. And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah, of Israel. Well, notice the last thing said. This is what we remember about him. And Asa, 39th year of his reign, was diseased unto his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet his disease, he sought not the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. I want you to just think about this tonight. Asa, right here, his life is remembered. What is your life if you were to think of Asa? Well, he's a man that came to a point where at one time he had trusted God, but the end when it comes to death, when his life was over, he's remembered as one that sought the physicians instead of the Lord. I think of the Robert Robinson, the author of that great hymn, Come Thy Fount. Robinson was saved under the ministry of George Whitfield, later became a Baptist preacher and pastor, and was known as an able theologian through his writings of many theological works and hymns. The hymn, Come Thy Fount, was written when he was, this is amazing, when he was 23 years old. An expression in the third verse says this. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Seems to be a prophetic of the latter years as once again his life became characterized by lapses of sin. The story is told that Robinson, listen, one day was riding on a stagecoach when he noticed a woman deeply engrossed with a hymn book. During an ensuing conversation, the lady turned to Robinson and asked what he thought of the hymn that she was humming. It is said that Robinson burst into tears and said, Madam, I am the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. And I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy the feelings I had then. Maybe it is not your feet, but something else that tells the story of your heart. Maybe tonight it's your church attendance. Maybe it's your involvement. Maybe it's your prayer time. But can I just say tonight, there's something that tells the story of your heart. And can I just say this, and I just want to just remind us tonight, simple message tonight. It's not how we start this life necessarily. A lot of people start on fire for God. It's how we finish this life. Started thinking about this story of Asa. Started thinking about this idea of finishing well. 
And I started contrasting Asa's end and his tragic finish with Paul. I love what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. I want you to think with me tonight. He said these words. He's getting ready, getting closer and closer to that day where he'd breathe his last breath. He said this, For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I love what he says here. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. We're all on a course tonight. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that also love his appearing. And I just want to stop tonight, and I just want to ask you for a minute tonight to answer this question in your heart and in your soul. I want you to answer this question. What is your life? What would be the epitaph tonight of your life? It's an amazing thought, isn't it? It's sobering to think about what would be said about you and about me. When, and can I just say this in that text in James chapter number 5, and both of us can relate to this because we've been through it in the last couple of years. Life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth the way. And let me just say to you tonight, church, none of us know when we're going to breathe that last breath, but the truth of the matter is every person under the sound of my voice, hey, death knows no age limit. Is anybody awake in here tonight? I preach funerals for babies and I preach funerals for someone almost 100 years old. Death, But I can promise you this, hey, listen, when we breathe that last breath, we're going to be like, bam, just like that. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. And there's only two choices tonight, and that's heaven or hell. Let me just say that first of all. The second thing I want to say tonight is this. As we're living this life, what we're doing is this. We're preparing for eternity. And we're either going to be, it's either going to be a story like Asa. Man, the disease in his feet told the story of his heart. Man, there was a time when he was on fire for God. Hey, there was a time, listen, when he used to tear down idols and where he was consecrated to God. But somewhere along the way, he got a little bit sideways and he got a little bit off course. We're either going to have a testimony like that tonight or we're going to have a testimony like Paul. And man, I love his testimony. When we're going to come to the end of our life and we're going to say, hey, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I've been to two types of funerals. And I've been to a lot of them. I've been to ones that are almost like a praise service because we knew, Brother Prater, that that person, yeah, we hurt because they're gone, but we knew that they had crossed over Jordan. And they had already walked on those streets of, that street of gold. And they'd already been over to that uh, tree of life where there's uh, 12 manners of fruit for the healing of the nation. They've already dipped their hand in that. Is, is anybody, we, when we can rejoice and we can shout, but then I've been on to the other one where you don't know if the person was saved or not. You don't know if they love God or not. And can I just tell you, there's always peace and there's always contentment and there's always a joy in those babies and in those family members' hearts when you live over here and you fought a good fight and you finished well. I just want to encourage you tonight with this. I want to encourage you to be like Paul tonight and just decide now that you're going to finish well. It's not time to turn back. It's not time to back down. Hey, at any moment as I preach this morning, the trumpet could sound. I could breathe my last breath. I want to leave it all on the court for Almighty God because I really believe, hey, that there's coming a day and what a day that's going to be someday. I really believe that. Man, I believe it. 
Man, I believe it with everything that's in me that we're living for another world. And there's come, listen, I'm going to breathe my last breath. And only what's done for Christ is going to matter. Only what's done for Him is going to last. Hey, those things we get frustrated about and those things we get discouraged about. Hey, and the, the world looks like there has no hope. I just want to tell you tonight, if you're saved, we still have hope tonight. We still have a joy. We still, hey, last time I checked, God's still on the throne. Listen, we're going to see Him face to face someday. I just want to encourage you with this. Finish well. Don't quit. It's not time to slow down. Hey, it's not time to back down. Hey, it's not time to take our foot off the gas pedal. Hey, if there's breath in our lungs, hey, give it all for our Lord and our Savior. Aren't you thankful tonight that He gave it all for us? Hey, aren't you thankful? Hey, that He reached way down for me and for you and He saved us and He redeemed us. Listen, He loved us and His love constraineth us to a life of worship and a life of service. Finish well. About... Two years ago now, in December, coming up this December, um, we had got a, uh, that phone call that just knocks the, the breath out of you. Y'all have had them? I've had them. Daddy, uh, my, my stepdad, who I call my dad, and let me just say this. If you're a step-parent in here, don't ever minimize the influence you can have on them babies. Thank God I had a step-daddy that loved me. He's my daddy. Loved me like I was his very own. Adopted us. Nothing more Christ-like in the world than adopting somebody. Loving them like they're your own. He did that for us. We got that phone call. He was singing in the choir. Godly man. Ended up getting head and mouth cancer. Lived a godly life. Clean, pure life. One of those things you just don't understand it. Went through all that chemo. Went through everything. Some of y'all been through that. We, we got to the end of it. And, man, he got to ring that bell. Everything, man, we were done. Cancer-free after about a year of it. Heart. I mean, y'all know how that is, getting those phone calls, it's rough. They had to remove just a, a little bit of his tongue, about a third of it. So he had to go to th speech therapy and all that. But man, everything was good. Cancer-free. Last December, after a year, two Decembers ago, after a year of being cancer-free, no issues. He's in the shower after church. He was singing, sang in the choir. I want y'all to think with me here. Sang in the choir Sunday morning, Sunday night. Went home, got in the shower. Started having some breathing problems. and Got mom, had to call 911. They go to the hospital, they could tell something wasn't right. They get there, start going through tests the next few days. Of course, she called us. We hopped on a plane, rushed there, got there, you know, to find out what's going on. And uh, they come to find out the cancer was back. So, you know, we'd already been through this once, but man, we, we know that God can answer prayers, and we know that chemo, and all, we know that God uses that kind of stuff. And, but singing in the choir, well, that next day, that next uh, Tuesday after that Sunday, he's in the choir Sunday morning, Sunday night. Little did we know that the la that, that would be the last church service he'd ever sing in. Little did we know that Sunday night supper would be the last time he was ever, ever able to take a fork, take a knife and cut his food and put it in his mouth. His head began to swell over that week, and I'm telling you, it went to the most ungodly, ridiculous thing you've ever seen in your life. And uh, it started to swell. We, I had to get back home for a meeting and ended up coming back at the end of the week to see him, and it just started just swelling and getting worse and worse. And first time I walked in and seen him, and he couldn't eat through his mouth anymore. So Mama had, they put in one of them tubes right here. Mama had to take a, a protein shakes every meal, every couple hours, and just pour them things in those tubes. He was singing in the choir Sunday morning and Sunday night, 62 years old. Hey, Monday morning he's in the hospital never to speak a word verbally again. Y'all hearing me? They ended up having to put a 
trachea so that he could breathe properly. And his head just began to swell. And I, of course, just was scheduled some things. I had to get back home. Come back. The next time that I came in, they, they, they called, and they didn't think it was going to be very long from when he passed from this life to the next. And just, as you can imagine, it was one of them weeks, man, for us. So mama calls, and at, at this time, uh, his job had moved him to Fredericksburg, Virginia. We're in North Carolina, so I'd have to fly back and forth. So she goes, the doctor said, y'all need to get here. So we hop on it and get there. We walked in the room that night. And I'll tell you, I'm not, a, I'm not a crier outside of church. Now, I weep a lot in church, but I try to keep that tough facade. And I walked in that room, and my sister, her and her husband, they're in the ministry, and they're in there, and their babies are all in there. And me and my wife and my daughter, we walk in there. I look at Daddy, and I'm trying to hold it together and be the rock. You know, I had a Bible under my, my arm, and just, man, just trying to walk in and just trying to be that. Le- and, man, I seen him in a way that I'd never seen him. He was unrecognizable. Man, I couldn't recognize him. Man, I didn't. It was one of those moments where I, there was no words to say. All the energy and breath in my life, I was, I was done. I was, in that moment, it's like life was sucked out of me. Sis looked at me and Mama and said, what are we going to do? Well, there's only one thing we know to do. You see, Mom and Daddy in our family, they didn't just go to church and then live differently at home. Mom and Daddy lived at home like they believe what I'm saying tonight. Mom and Daddy believe they live their lives like this thing is real. It's not some stinking game that we play. They believed it. Hey, day after day, as a teenager, I remember leaving the house watching Mama with a Bible open. Not a day I remember not seeing her with a Bible open. And that's how we grew up. So we walk in that hospital room, sis, and then like, what are we going to do? I said, the only thing I know to do, let's just sing. Man, let's preach. We opened the Word of God and started reading some of his favorite scriptures. He's still alive, but unresponsive. Man, he, he had this board, and I, I walked over there. I looked at that board, and, and on that board he had written out the Romans Road. Come to find out that whole time when I'm going back and forth, he don't even have a voice, can't talk, witness to every single nurse that walked in that room. Amen. Every single one of them. I've seen that. But it, we start singing. Man, we're preaching a little bit. We're thanking God for the time that we had with him. And he's coming in and out. He's on medicine. He's messed up, you know. And and, and, and he's not real responsive. He didn't say, never spoke another word. But I remember this. We began to sing songs and we were weeping. Those nurses would come in there. They thought we was crazy, man. Kind of like some of y'all felt tonight. We were in there and we're shouting. We have hands lifted. We got tears running down our face. We're praising the Lord. They're walking in. They're like, man, y'all are, y'all are nuts. You can tell, you know. And we're singing. We're just praising the Lord. And, and dad's in and out, but he can't say much. And you don't even know if he's hearing you and all that. And we're praying. We were calling out to God, man. We were worshiping. It was sweet, to be honest with you. We got singing a song. That old song. It's actually a new song. And I know y'all probably sing it called 10,000 Reasons. Y'all ever heard that song? We were singing it, man, at the top of, and all of our, men, all my nieces and nephews, they all sing, and my sister and her husband, they all sing. I try to sing because, listen, I love the Lord, and I sing to the top of my lungs, and we praise Him, and my, I don't know if y'all know who this is, my wife and my old preacher say I sound like Lester Roloff, so they wish I wouldn't sing. I don't know if y'all know, y'all, y'all won't get that one, but I, I te- it's terrible, okay? But we're singing, we're praising the Lord. We start singing that song, bless the Lord, oh my soul. I mean, we're, we're hands in the air, man. I mean, we Baptist Costco at that moment, Okay? We're having a time just praising and worshiping the Lord. And we get to a part, Brother Prater, in that song when it says this. And on that day when my strength is failing, when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. And I'm I'm, I'm telling you the truth here. Still my soul 
We'll sing your praise unending. I'm about to have a fit just thinking about this. 10,000 years and forevermore. Dad, at that moment, it was like, boom, just real quick. He just gave us the thumbs up. And you know what that was saying? You know what he was saying to me? You know what he was saying to our family? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know, I look back and I think about this. Never one time did I hear Daddy complain about having cancer. Not one. It was real to him. It was real to him. He lived his life in light of eternity. He knew this, that Revelation 21 and 22, if y'all know what that is tonight, he knew, hey, he knew that what John the Revelator said about that city, hey, about that heavenly place, hey, I had a family and I had someone that taught me, hey, that this isn't something we just do for fun to get a religious duty out of the way. No, we are living for another world because there's coming a day that every one of us are going to stand in his presence. And I believe tonight, hey, that his dad crossed over, I believe he heard those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And can I just remind you tonight that that's our hope. That's the reason we live. That's the reason we sing. That's the reason we can go through death and rejoice and praise the Lord because we believe, hey, there's really coming a day, Revelation 21 and 22, where God's going to make everything right. Hey, and there's a place that's coming that we're going to experience someday where there is no more cancer. I love this. You know, no grave, no grave digger shovel has ever marred a hill in glory. Revelation 21 says this. It's a place where there's no more death. Hey, it's a place where no more... I'm about tired of funerals. I'm about tired of, of losing loved ones. Hey, there's coming a day when there's no more death. Hey, there's coming a day. I love this one. It says in that same text that there's no more sin. Man, I can't wait for that day when I don't deal with that sin problem and that sin battle and this nasty flesh because when I see him, I shall be like him for I shall see him as he is. Hey, I believe that tonight and I believe there's coming a day when there's no more night and there's no more pain and there's no heartache and there's no politics. Hey, what keeps a person going? Hey, how do they get up and sing every Sunday and get up and preach every Sunday? They believe it! Do you believe it tonight? That'll help you finish well. Paul knew it. Paul knew when he breathed that last breath. All those beatings he had had. All those cursings. All those lashings. All that time in prison. All the heartache. All the abandonment. All the work. Oh my goodness, when he went into the presence of God and he saw his king and he saw his savior and he saw his maker and he saw the one who loved him enough to send his only begotten son into the world so that he'd have to spend eternity in hell. Oh, he knew that there was really coming a day where he was going to see him face to face. You want to finish well? I do. You know how that happens? And I talked a lot about this morning, talking about it tonight. It's when we focus that there's a brighter day that's coming. Word of God says this. He's going to wipe every tear. You ever heard there's going to be no tears in heaven? There's going to be some. He wouldn't have to wipe them if there wasn't any. There's going to be some tears. But the good news, the hope that we have as believers, is this. Oh man, this will help you if you'll ever get this. Is he's going to make all that's wrong in this world right? Man, I, I look for that day. Man, I don't want to die today. I want to serve God while I can. But can I just say this as an almost 40-year-old young man? Death doesn't scare me. 
Because I believe it. Can I just ask you this tonight? Do you believe it? Do you believe it tonight? I said it this morning, and I just want to state this once again. True belief will move us to action. If we really believe something, we're going to do something about it. If we really believe that Jesus is the only way, and that our, our co-workers and our friends and the people in our school and the people that are around us, if they die, if we really believe that if they die without Jesus, they spend eternity in the hell, you know what that causes us to do? Tell them about the salvation that we've experienced if we've experienced it. And if you have experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. And you have the hope that I'm talking about. If you haven't, can I just say this? Don't leave here tonight without getting that nailed down. Maybe you're here tonight and we're done. I just want to encourage, I want to just give you a little admonition here. Maybe you're here tonight and you ain't been finishing well. You ain't been living well. You ain't even started well. That's where a lot of us are. We get complacent in our walk. We get complacent in our prayer life. We get complacent in our Bible reading, our relationship with the Lord. Can I just tell you how if your relationship with God's not right, when the storm comes, you ain't going to make it through it. Man, if you're, if, you're not, if you're not spending time in prayer and spending time in the Word and spending time... Listen, I, if you breathe... And here's the thing. If there's something in your life that if you were to breathe your last breath... And I have some of these. I'm not guilting you. I'm preaching to myself. If there's some things in your life that you need to give to the Lord, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you tonight? Man, if there's some things that you're holding on to, something in this world that you're not going to let go of, can I just encourage you tonight? Give it to the Lord tonight. If there was ever a time in your life where you were closer to God like Asa was than you are right now, can I just encourage you to go back to that place, to humble yourself? And as the psalmist wrote and prayed, ask God to create in you a clean heart and renew a right spirit within you. If there is breath in your lungs tonight, y'all don't miss this right here. If there is breath in your lungs tonight, God still has a plan for you. God still wants to use you. Man, give it. Give it back to Him. Give your life fully to Him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have the testimony of Asa at the end of my life. Man, I don't want to come to the end of the life for the prayer and say, you know, he used to preach a lot. and never made sense anyway, but he preached a lot. And, but, man, he got to the end and he threw in the towel, waved the white flag, and went a different direction. Man, I want to live my life in such a way that my daughter is able to say the same thing about daddy that I was able to say about my parents. Man, he was the same man at home that he was in the pulpit. He believed the stuff that he preached. Man, can your family say that about you? That'll impact. You know what will change a generation? When these young people see a mom and dad that don't just talk about it but believe it. When they see some church members that don't just go through the religious motions, but they see people with the touch and the power of Almighty God on their life. just want to encourage you tonight if... Maybe you've been running a little bit. Maybe you're not as on fire as you once were. Can I just encourage us as a church and as friends tonight? Ask God to rekindle that in your heart. Ask God to rekindle that in your family. Some of us as men, if we were to grab our wife by the hand tonight when we got home or even at the end of this service, bring her down to the altar and pray with her, we'd be visiting her in the hospital tomorrow because she'd have a heart attack. That's indicting, isn't it? 
So think about that. What is it in your life tonight that you need to just give back to him? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to ask the 